The room is relationships. The room is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? The room is different cookie cutter mm-hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Allison. Oh, hi, Rob. Oh, hi, listeners. We're here to talk about Minute 33 of The Room, in which, well, this movie should really be about Claudette. (laughs) Because Claudette's the best. It's the official stance of The Room Minute that Claudette is the best. Well, unless you disagree, Allison. <laughs> it could be split. <laughs> no, I like Claudette. I just okay. wish that they didn't like randomly... Well, that hasn't happened yet, so... <laughs> <laughs> randomly give her cancer? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, as we've heard from our Will here, I forget what minute that happens, if we've recorded it yet, but we'll hear in the script, Tommy do- or Johnny does point out that they're, they're dealing with cancer just fine these days. So she'll be okay. Yeah, no one dies from cancer anymore. No, not anymore. Totally cured in this reality of the film. That is very weird. No, yeah. This minute, of course, begins with Denny asking for, in addition to the sugar he asked for last minute. I also need a cup of flour and half a stick of butter. Doesn't his home have a kitchen? Doesn't your home have a kitchen? Does this apartment have a kitchen? (laughs) What's he making? What do you think he's making? I'm not sure. That is a... (laughs) it's a a fun thought the idea that denny has wandered over here yeah in the process of trying to bake something Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. he clearly does not have the ingredients for. yeah he's missing (laughs) flour butter and sugar like those are the three primary ingredients in many things so he he just doesn't have anything like he has baking soda i guess maybe he's basically just looking for an excuse to come over here and watch yeah Johnny and Lisa, right? Mm-hmm. Or he heard the noises a minute, a couple minutes ago. That's what I think. And he's like, ooh, who is that? Those sounds are new. I'm going to go watch them. And he got there too late. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and so this, this whole idea of him asking for sugar and butter and flour is just his way of awkwardly coming up with an actual reason for him to be there as opposed to real intentions. <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't because he kind of gets run out by Claudette's rudeness, he almost didn't need an excuse. He could have just showed up and he never got to that. But instead you get a cliched one as we were talking about last minute if he needs ingredients for something. Well, any any opportunity to watch Denny be awkward and weird, I'm, I'm here for it, you know? Yeah. Well, and we get a great example of the awful version of Claudette from the quote-unquote original script, in which she asks, just what sort of perverted filth are you planning to use those ingredients for? Oh my god. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Keep in mind, this is before she finds out he's a prostitute. That hasn't happened yet. That's another element of the script. In the script, he has been prostituting himself, not selling drugs. (laughs) Oh, I gotta, Different version. I gotta take a look at the script. <laughs> this is all news to me. <laughs> yeah, he exits. I'll come back later. 
Lisa does not close the door. But we do get a door closing sound as she goes to the couch. So maybe Denny comes back. I don't know. It's an automatic door. <laughs> That's what they need. Yes. In this really. apartment. Um, so yeah, he's basically here so that she can then explain to her mom who Denny is, right? Like that's. Yeah, explain to her mom. No. Not explain to us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. It, uh, it's another reason to love, uh, the room is the way that they just, it. Yeah. We get, we get a monologue about who this character is and how he ties into Johnny and how it makes yeah. Johnny a better guy. Johnny, good guy. Before we get to the monologue, though, I do have one more note from the original. When Claudette says, Tell me, what does Denny do? The original line has, Tell me, what does Billy do for money? You're not lending him any, I hope. So, she's kind of a dick to her kid. It's, it's so weird to uh, to think of him as having originally been an actual family member. As opposed to just this yeah. like father figure stuff that we give in the, the final movie. Which, uh, the, my other notes on Denny in this minute, uh, come from his, Philip Haldeman's comic, My Big Break, issue number three, in which he basically has the scene where Denny meets Tommy. Denny was the big brother at the boys' home, because he was older, he was older than all the other boys there. And so when they were adopted, he was too old. Uh, so he said, I was too old for people to want me, but I was too young to go out alone. I was just stuck. And then when he's sitting alone on the basketball court, Johnny approaches him with a football. Then he goes to dinner with Johnny and his future wife, and they had birthday cake for him, even though it wasn't his birthday yet. And Johnny helped him get his life together. He got his own place near theirs. He enrolled in City College, uh, heading for a degree in finance to be just like Johnny. Just like Johnny. And then we're back into the, the film with, with Lisa's monologue of Johnny wanting to adopt him. Johnny wanted to adopt Denny. I love that she says he wanted to adopt him, like... Johnny couldn't have got it done. Well, yeah. I mean, the adoption process is a, it's long and complex. It takes years. I can see Johnny losing his patience for it. Yeah. Yep. And Denny's like 35, yeah. so it got to be too late, I guess. If he's old enough to have kids of his own, you shouldn't be adopting him. It really is a tragedy how many kids don't have parents, though. It's really a tragedy how many kids out there don't have parents. <laughs> I know it's not That's not funny. Um, it's funny because you're quoting her line, but it's not a funny line. No, not at all. It's, it is really a tragedy how many kids out there don't have parents. She's right. I think it's just funny because it's such a non sequitur in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what, this is the world that Johnny is fixing one Denny at a time. What a good guy. Yeah. He is a good guy. <laughs> as far as we know, this apartment building is just full of college-age boys that Tommy wants to adopt. Johnny wants to adopt. Well, probably Tommy, too. Who knows? Uh, I really love um, how all over the place Lisa is in this entire movie. Like, from scene to scene. Like, she's just constantly <laughs> rocketing back and forth between, like, wildly different outlooks and attitudes and everything. And um, that's... It's true in this scene where, like, it sounds like... She's trying to convince her mom how great Johnny is, even though, like, in previous uh -huh. scenes, she's been like... I don't love him anymore. Saying, like, I don't love him anymore. And in this one, she's like, I'm telling you, Mom, he's a great guy. I told you, Mom, Johnny is very caring about the people in his life. And 
Yeah. It's <laughs> I just love the like the whiplash you get from trying to wrap your mind around what is going on inside Lisa's head. Well, sometimes inside the same scene, like before with her mother, she's explaining how she doesn't love him, but then... I don't know. Well, I don't mind living with him. I don't mind living with him. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, here, she's being his, like, cheerleader here, but she doesn't love him anymore, even though he's very caring about the people in his life. <laughs> she's just so all over the place, like... I love her, too. She does specify that he gave Denny keys, even though we never see that those keys exist or are used or useful. Yeah. Why'd you need keys when the door's unlocked? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, everything in this movie. It, it feels like you would expect this to pay off in some way, you know? Like, the fact that he has keys or just all this backstory involving Denny. But li- like everything in this movie, yeah. like the, the breast cancer, for instance, it's right. all just... Things that are said and then never followed up on. That's just life. That's that's called realism. See, in a movie, you follow up on all these things, but this isn't a movie. This isn't cookie cutter Hollywood, it's as Tommy just a, says. A portrait, basically, a snapshot of yeah. lives. Sometimes your mother has cancer. It doesn't mean you can do anything about it. Sometimes you give keys to some kid. It doesn't mean it's important to your life. Well, he's important, but it doesn't mean he's going to keep you from killing yourself. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Such a sad ending. I don't want to think about it. What a tragedy. Johnny's such a good guy. Yeah. It's really a tragedy how many bankers shoot themselves. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't say that without finding it funny. Now, more awful Claudette from the script. After Lisa's monologue, she says, That boy has been nothing but trouble. First the cesarean, and now this. <laughs> it's time Billy grew up and took care of himself. That's a that's a pretty good line. It also implies hasn't been that much trouble. I mean, if that was literally the last issue that he caused her, then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if he is possibly the character's eighteen, it's been eighteen years between troubles. That's fine. Yeah, that's a pretty good kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she hasn't even found out about the prostitution yet, oh, that's so a good yeah, point. he's fine. And also here, Lisa is informing, is talking about how Billy has a crush on Johnny. Mm-hmm. And Johnny, she says, Johnny really cares about Billy, but Billy is so annoying. That's another reason why I don't love Johnny Wait. anymore. Oh, yeah, make sense of that one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Wait, so Billy is annoying, and that's why she doesn't love Johnny? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really. Yeah, because he moved this kid into their building who constantly just walks into their apartment to watch okay. them. She blames Johnny. It, makes a little bit of it sense. actually makes sense in a way. It's weird to say, but it makes sense to yeah. think. Sometimes when someone gets on your nerves so much, like even just them breathing will like send you over the edge. Like they're like breathing too loud, and so maybe it's one of those <laughs> things that she's just like so over it. She's like, and he has this annoying friend. That yeah, I mean that yeah. that tracks. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also got the hot friends, so, you know, Lisa doesn't know what to do. Yeah, Lisa's whole monologue, though, is, is great. Johnny wanted to adopt Denny. It's really a tragedy how many kids out there don't have parents. When Denny turned 18, Johnny found him a little apartment here in this building, and he's paying for it until he graduates from school. Johnny really loves Denny, even though he doesn't say it much. He's like a father figure to him. I told you, Mom, Johnny is very caring about the people in his life. And he gave Denny his own set of keys to our place. Um, Juliette Danielle is just a delight in this movie. I love her. Mm-hmm. 
she's she has horrible things to do, but she does she does them. Yes. <laughs> I know that she had not done a lot of, or at least I was, as far as I was aware, she hadn't really been a lot involved in the movie afterwards in terms of like promoting it or talking about it. Right. But I I was just reading about her a little bit before we started recording today, and it, I was happy to see that she does have a good attitude about the movie and oh, yeah. now does like do interviews and talk about it. And that made me feel better because mm-hmm. if this was just something that she looked back on as like a huge mistake and like, oh God, how could I have taken part in that? Then it, it would it would honestly bum me out a little bit. But the fact that she has a good attitude about it makes it yeah. easier for me to watch and love this movie. I agree. Yeah. Because she... Unlike some of the other actors, she's in so much of it that if it was, if it was an awful experience, it would make the, yeah, watching the film would be kind of miserable. And Claudette, after the monologue, tells her, Please, don't hurt Johnny. Now, if you really don't love him, so be it, but you should tell him. In this original, Claudette has much, I'm going to say better, (laughs) because Claudette's awesome. Advice. Now, if you really don't love Johnny, so be it. But you should wait till after you're married before you tell him. That way he has to split his assets with you 50-50 if he wants a divorce. Oh, that is... I, I kind of wish that was in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Darker take on Claudette. Yeah. It's like the, the a horrible version of her, but this line is also kind of nice. I like it. I can imagine her saying that and it coming across great. I can too. Yeah, I, can, I mean, I can hear her. <laughs> like in my head, I can hear her saying. Okay, after all of her talk about her, the men in her life. <laughs> yeah, she definitely marries someone <laughs> and stick around just long enough. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, Mike runs back in because he forgot his uh, book. I forgot my uh, book. Oh my god! <laughs> god, I love the Mike and Michelle so much. <laughs> And then we get a line in the original script is one of those, like, too-good-to-be-true ones. Like, it doesn't feel like it's real. Claudette says, some book, what's it called, the weak brand forgot to change his underwear? That's too clever for Tommy. It's too clever for Claudette, too. Yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. She doesn't come up with complicated things like that. She's just awesome naturally and impulsive. But, of course, what she picks up is his underwear. His underwears. She kind of grabs it from him. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she, this this is her business, even though it's not her apartment. So she has to grab it and find out what he's getting. Uh, uh, what? What's this? He could be stealing things for all she knows. She's she's being she's being protected. Yeah, in her defense, it is her offspring's apartment. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of her business, a little bit, maybe. A little, little bit. Yeah. Uh, I know it's cheating a little bit for me to talk about it since it's not technically in this minute, but I love that this is just later recounted to other characters. Like, I love that Mike just basically explains to other characters this moment that we see in the movie. And that is one way that it actually is a very successful, like, slice of life thing is if you had uh, an awkward experience like this, you would want to, like, humorously tell your friends about it. (laughs) You would tell someone, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll 
get when we get to that scene, that'll be fun because Tommy thought that scene was amazing, and Sandy Chaclair directing it was like, okay, we don't need to use that take. Let's just cut this. But Tommy thought it was I, wonderful. I that scene. <laughs> uh, and now, notes from a midnight screening for the minute thirty-three. Notes from a midnight screening. The audience, of course, wants to know what are you making because Denny's making things. They yell, close the door a couple more times because they don't. At least not on screen. We do get a door closing sound, but we don't see it close. And when Claudette says, tell me, what does Denny do? Someone last time screamed, nothing. Accurate. (laughs) Yeah. And now, Allison, I don't want you to feel attacked by this one. But when Lisa's doing her monologue and says, Johnny found him a little apartment here in the building. He's paying for it until he graduates from school. Someone was like, Millennials! <laughs> I was so curious what it was going to say. I'm like, oh my god. Do they yell, fuck Allison? <laughs> it's not that on the nose. So they don't know you. <laughs> and in response to, uh, he gave Denny his own set of keys. Someone last time screamed, he doesn't need them. You leave the fucking door open. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Now, it is Friday. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the week. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. Bad movie of the week. Sam, what did you bring us? Stone Cold Classic, uh, <laughs> The Ice Cream Man, starring none other than Clint Howard. Yeah. And uh, it's, <laughs> this is the first time I had rewatched the movie in quite a long time. Me too. I think I saw it when it was brand new, and then when you mentioned it, I'm like, well, I haven't seen that in a long time. Oh, okay, so you had seen it before. I, I saw it, I don't, it wasn't out in theaters, right? I, I, I I don't think so. <laughs> I don't remember if it was in theaters or video, but like as soon as, when it was brand new, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. It's it was both better and mostly worse than I remembered. It is a it is a really <laughs> bad movie. <laughs> I thought I thought it was quite entertaining. It's dumb, but as a little horror film, it kind of works. It does kind of work at times, and. I think one of the most interesting things to think about when, or at least it was for me watching it this time, is trying to figure out how self-aware the movie is. Yeah. Because at times it's very clearly self-aware. And then for huge stretches of the movie, you all, you then get the sense that people think they're in a better production than they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, there's moments of it that are like burned into my brain from when I saw it when I was, I was a kid <laughs> when I first saw it and like the, for, the part where the one of the cops is like swirling around an eyeball in his mouth that was like oh yeah in the ice, in the cream, ice cream that the ice cream man gave him as like this weird goofy music plays like that is an image that is just etched into my mind. Well, we should tell the listeners in case they haven't seen it what it's about. Okay, because eyeball in the mouth is a bit weird out of context. Well, it's weird in context too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that no one notices some of the stuff he puts in the yeah. ice cream. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, so the, the Ice Cream Man, it's um, seemingly straightforward, but it does go in some weird directions. Um, it's yeah. about just, there's a new Ice Cream Man in the neighborhood, and 
he's creepy and strange, and it's revealed that he has horrible... <laughs> it's, it's a really gross movie. There's, like, a lot of shots <laughs> of the ice cream. Like, the big tubs of ice cream have, like, rats in them and, like, mm-hmm. body parts and things like that. And uh, so he's, he's killing people and then incorporating them into the ice cream that he's then serving. Yeah. Sometimes in outlandish ways, like putting in a whole eye, eyeball on top of something. Yeah, on, in somebody's Rocky Road ice cream. Other times it's more subtle. It's like mixed in. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. actually, when he's doing the, the Rocky Road, like he, he even has like the little marshmallow... Uh, mm-hmm. What, I, don't, I don't know what it is that... You, it, like, he, he's making marshmallows out of people's eyeballs, basically. <laughs> Which I don't think... I don't yeah. think that's how it would work. Yeah. Yeah, I think the consistency would be... I've, I've never eaten an eyeball, so I can't be sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the consistency is different from a marshmallow. Yeah, pretty sure. But anyways, what basically happens is that he kidnaps a kid and then is sort of training him to be the new ice cream man. Yes. And meanwhile, the kid's friends are trying to get all the adults to listen and say, like, we need to stop the ice cream man. He's insane and killing people. And they basically have mm-hmm. to end up doing it all themselves. And then meanwhile, there's these two cops that are investigating the kid's disappearance and, like, other murders that are happening related to the ice cream man. And they end up finding out the ice cream man's whole weird backstory where he basically grew up in this, like, mental asylum where... Yep. Wishing Well Sanatorium. <laughs> yeah. There, um... I have notes on that place in a, set in a minute. Okay. Yeah, it, but basically there was just this insane doctor who was just doing horrible brain experiments on all the patients there and ice cream man escaped but obviously was ruined by this experience and uh now is a weird murderer yeah and um yeah eventually the the kids and the cops are able to to stop the ice cream man i think one of the cops dies though right or i don't know i watched it a couple of weeks ago now yeah <laughs> And uh, for some reason, like, it's just, it did, didn't leave a huge impression on me. <laughs> They're now for fans of bad movies. The kid, I believe it's the one that he, that the ice cream man kidnaps and trains is played, I forget his real name, but his character is called Small Paul. Mm-hmm. And he is played by the star of Playing Dangerous, which is a, an awful movie that is essentially a mix of Die Hard and Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Which is worth watching, but I wouldn't bring it up on this show, really, because it's also not worth watching, because it's got a very boring middle. Oh, okay. But it's an interesting idea, because you watch it, and you're like, how did this happen? Because it's trying, it's the violence of Die Hard, but with a kid as the hero. It's very strange. Interesting. Now, for me, what was interesting rewatching this movie is a couple weird coincidences. I'm pretty sure the park they keep going to is the park that was used in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Oh, really? And that has its own coincidence because in the scene in Wes Craven's New Nightmare where they're at the park, the trash cans are the Groundhog Day uh, trash cans with groundhogs as heads, <laughs> which I still have never figured out how they ended up in that movie. <laughs> I did not I did not realize that. I'll have to watch that for uh, the next time I watch but New Nightmare. <laughs> I, 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 haven't, I couldn't confirm it was the same park because you never get quite the same angles to match them up and confirm it. But what I can confirm is the building they use for the sanitarium is 
or was an actual sanitarium at one point. It was Lavina Hospital in Arcadia, which most people would actually know the exterior of it as Smith's Grove in the original Halloween. Oh, okay. So if you're a fan of the original Halloween and want to see what the inside of the building looks like, because they don't show it to you, watch this movie because you see the curved hallway around those windows that you can see in the original Halloween from outside. And you can see how it looked years after it closed down. Because by the time they filmed this there, it was actually, I think it was torn down not long after this movie was made. And it no longer exists. There's now a, a houses there. But they call the neighborhood Lavina after the hospital that was there for decades. Okay. But yeah, it, it was cool to see that because I did Michael Myers minute and I'm like, whoa, I know that building. Okay. <laughs> Even before they show the outside of it, I'm like, that curve's kind of like the Smith's Grove. And then they show the outside, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> that is the outside. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a fun coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, uh, like the bad movies that other guests have, uh, mm-hmm. have been bringing to you, like, how does, like, where does the ice cream man stack up there? Is it like... I think, in a way, it's not It's not as bad as most of them. I think it's very much... What year did it come out? 94? 90-something. 90 I, I don't know. 95. It's a very mid-90s, like, cheap horror film. And most of its badness is not because it's poorly made. It's because it's a silly concept at a silly time. <laughs> and so I think it's better than a lot of the really bad movies, because... It's not timeless, is its problem. Yeah, that's a point. It fits in 1995 direct-to-video market. (laughs) That's true. And there were plenty of worse movies at that time. So I think it's much more entertaining. And although even it, like a lot of bad movies, gets kind of slow Yeah. in the middle. Yeah, it it feels longer than it is, definitely. (laughs) Yes, definitely. It's only, it's not even an hour and a half, and it feels long. Yeah. Uh, It's a, a good example, though, of... Why the room is like the king of bad movies to me. Because yeah, because it doesn't really do that. It keeps, it introduces new characters and new plot lines, even though they don't necessarily go anywhere. It keeps your attention at the point where another bad movie would be boring. Exactly. You. Yeah. Like I, I will never get tired of watching the room. I feel like I don't need to watch the ice cream man again for like, I don't know, a decade. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I might get tired of watching the room after doing it this way, minute by minute, because I'll have a, there's other movies to watch, but I don't know. I'll see. Maybe I'll get, come back to it. It'll be like when I did Groundhog Day Project, where Groundhog Day, now when I watch it, is super comforting and goes super fast. Hmm. Because I've seen it so many times. Another thing about just comparing The Room and The Ice Cream Man is, uh, you can really see how a good soundtrack, a good, a good score can elevate a bad movie. Because hmm. you see yeah. that with The Room and the music in The Ice Cream Man is just, it feels very (laughs) cheap it it makes it feel so much more like a cheap movie than than it otherwise would that's why in a way i was surprised when they filmed at that actual like abandoned hospital because the movie feels like something filmed on a back lot yeah that entire sequence in the hospital like, you can tell that, like, over half of the movie's budget just went into that, because... Well, it didn't. They didn't decorate that. That's what the building looked like. Okay, well, that, I mean, that... They hired a bunch of extras, yeah, but, but, but that's what it looked like, with all the graffiti and the mess, and they just went in and filmed. Okay, well, that, that's kind of cool. So, that's, yeah, that's cool. But it's that kind of movie. Like, they just took advantage. Here's an empty hospital that's 
going to be torn down soon. Let's go use it. Yeah. <laughs> so, one more time, uh, Sam, where can the audience hear more of you? Um, well, I am on um, Deep Space Nine podcast uh, called Reopening the Wormhole. I also am on a podcast about old Marvel Star Wars comics called Marvel Star Wars Explorers. And if you want to hear me more in the minute-by-minute format, I don't have one of my own, but I've also been a guest on um, 2001 Minute and uh, Flash Gordon Minute and Escape from New York Minute and Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute. And I had a great time with all all those guys as well. It's a, it's a wonderful community. And, uh, yeah, so... I recommend all those shows. You can listen to my minutes, or you can listen to all of them, and you're going to have a good time. That's that's where I'm at. But it's nothing wrong when people make fun of the project, in this case, The Room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening. And remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Till the end of time.